Welcome to Truth Pod, the podcast that proclaims the truth of God's Word without shame or apprehension, where the Bible is the last word on any subject. I'm Russell, your host. Welcome back to Truth Pod. Thank you for downloading this podcast. This is my 15th study in the series I've titled Road to Golgotha, where we travel with Jesus and his disciples from the triumphal entry into Jerusalem to the crucifixion at Golgotha. If you can, please join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your blessings. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for what Jesus accomplished there. Thank you for your great love and all that you do for us. Thank you that our, we who are saved, our names are written in heaven. Thank you, Father, for loving us so much that you allow us to live in this nation that where we are free. Lord God, there are some who live in nations where they are not free to read the Bible, to pray, and to go to church. Father, watch over those people. Touch your children. Help them. Keep them strong in the faith. Lord, I don't ask that you make their lives easier. You know what you're doing. And you're and you're loving them and you're working with them. I just pray you keep their faith strong and help them to live for you. May you be glorified in these podcasts, Father. May your name be lifted up in Jesus' name, Father. Amen. Amen. You know, I I often wish I was a great speaker. I often wish I, you know, that I could twirl my words right, you know, that I could just, I could just speak them right and just, you know, turn a phrase, you know, and, and uh, uh, that's also, that's also a downfall of mine, you know, sometimes I, I get to think I'm not good enough, I'm not um, skilled enough, I, you know, I'm not educated enough, I, you know how it is, I'm sure you go through the same things, we all do, and I, I just try to be transparent at times with you. Um, and I'm not trying to elicit any pity whatsoever. I've got enough of my own, you know, thank you. So, uh, <laughs> uh, I do encourage, uh, or ask that you would pray for me. I, I, I could use your prayers. And, um, if you would like prayer for me, feel free to ask me. I'd be happy to pray for you, you know, and, um, I, I don't mind at all. I love praying for people. And, um, you know, so, as I was saying, I'm, I often wish I was a, a good speaker, a great speaker, and, and I am not. If you've listened to these podcasts, you know I'm not. You know there's times uh, I mess up. Uh, there's times I say something uh, or I misread something. And, you know, I do work on these uh, studies. I write them out. They are fully written out, and uh, I script them so that I can read them. And um, there are times I stumble over my own words. Um I say that to let you know that I'm just human, and uh, a human that's just doing what uh, I believe God has called me to do, you know, and that's to tell people about the love of God and the price Jesus paid at Golgotha for them. And we're studying uh, on the road to Golgotha. We're studying this road to Golgotha where we see things happen that... uh, Nobody would have thought would have happened, especially the 12. They would have never, never dreamed that these things that we're reading about would have happened in their lives. It it just, it was not in their thoughts. 
They were thought they were thinking life was going to go on. They were going to be with Jesus, you know, till they all grew old and died, you know. And and I'm sure this was their thoughts. And that Jesus was always going to be around, going to be healing people, going to be feeding people, going to be, you know, doing the things, the great and wonderful things that he always had done. But it didn't happen that way. Things began to change drastically and dramatically just within a week's time. Uh, from the time that he entered Jerusalem on the on the donkey, riding on the donkey, you know, for that week, things just began to rapidly, rapidly move and rapidly happen, you know, and uh, the things that were taking place were um, startling, shocking, you know. Um, we've seen, as we've read in these studies, we've... we've uh, read about one of his disciples, close one, very close one, denied he even knew him. We read about another disciple that, uh, well, he betrayed him for 30 pieces of silver. Um, and we read also about how all of the disciples forsook him. You know, so that's where we're at. That's where we're at on the road to Golgotha. Last week, I started reading the lyrics to a great song that talked about the cross and the sacrifice that Jesus made at Golgotha. This week's song was written by Isaac Watts, and uh, it's called Alas, and Did My Savior Bleed, or At the Cross. Alas, and did my Savior bleed, and did my sovereign die? Would he devote that sacred head for such a worm as I? At the cross... At the cross, where I first saw the light, and the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith. I received my sight, and now I am happy all the day. Was it for crimes that I had done? He groaned upon the tree. Amazing pity, grace unknown, and love beyond decree. Well, might the sun in darkness hide, and shut his glories in. When Christ, the mighty maker, died for man, the creature's sin. Thus might I hide my blushing face while his dear cross appears, dissolve my heart in thankfulness, and melt my eyes to tears. But drops of grief can ne'er repay the debt of love I owe. Here, Lord, I give myself away, tis all that I can do. These songs are so full of inspiration, devotion, love. If you're not familiar with these songs, check them out on Google. There you can, you know, you can read the lyrics and listen to the song. You can just type in the title to the song and, and uh, you can actually listen and have the lyrics at the same time. I mean... I just uh, heard one the other day I hadn't ever heard before, but somehow I picked up the title. So when I picked up the title, I went with the song on Google, and there's the song. And I started reading the lyrics, and I said, wow. And then I listened to it, and okay, you know, Hillsong was, uh, had sung the song. And uh, it was called Calvary Covers It All, you know. And I had never heard the song before, and I thought, well, there's a great way to listen to it right there. And that's what I did. All right, let's turn to Scripture. 
Luke 23, 1 through 5 says this, Then the whole company of them arose and brought him before Pilate, and they began to accuse him, saying, We found this man misleading our nation and forbidding us to give tribute to Caesar and saying that he himself is Christ, a king. And Pilate asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? And he answered him, You have said so. And he answered him, or I'm sorry, and he answered him, You have said so. Then Pilate said to the chief priests and crowds, I find no guilt in this man. But they were urgent, saying, He stirs up the people, teaching throughout all Judea, from Galilee even to this place. Okay, end in the scripture. Uh, I've subtitled this study, Pilot on Trial. You may think that's a strange title, but, but, but I believe that if you were in the room as Pilate questions Jesus, you would probably notice that there was only one man who was sweating, Pilate, the governor. Who was Pilate? I got this from biography.com. Pontius Pilate was a Roman governor under the emperor of Tiberius in the first century. He is best known as the judge of Jesus' trial. Pontius Pilate is believed to have hailed from the Samnium region of central Italy. Pontius Pilate served as the prefect of Judea from 26 to 36 AD. He convicted Jesus of treason and declared that Jesus thought himself king of the Jews and had Jesus crucified. Pilate died 39 AD. The cause of his death remains a mystery. An artifact found in 1961 confirmed his existence. In 26 AD, the Roman emperor Tiberius appointed Pontius Pilate prefect of the Roman provinces of Judea, Samaria, and Adimea. Although Pilate is best known for his leadership of Judea, while the typical term for a Roman prefect was one to three years, Pilate was to hold his post as the fifth Roman procurator for ten years. In assuming his position, Pontius Pilate succeeded Valerius Gratus. As a Roman prefect, Pontius Pilate was granted the power of supreme judge, which meant that he had the sole authority to order a criminal's execution. His duties as a prefect included such mundane tasks as tax collection and managing construction projects, but perhaps his most crucial responsibility was that of maintaining law and order. Pontius Pilate attempted to do so by any means necessary. What he couldn't negotiate, he is said to have accomplished through brute force. The whole company arose and led him to Pilate. By this time, the multitudes were under his spell. I'm sorry, we were under the spell of the high priest and elders and demon powers and had forgotten the triumphal entry of Christ when they hailed him as the Messiah. The religious trial was now over. The next step was to put him through a civil trial and convince the Roman governor that Jesus of Nazareth was a criminal worthy of death. The Son of God was to be crucified, and only the Romans could do that. As I may have said before, 
This is a hate-filled group of people with only one agenda in mind, to get rid of Jesus and end his influence over the people. They were unable to do either. <laughs> they couldn't get rid of Jesus and they didn't end his influence over the people. It still goes on today. Many arrogant fools throughout history have thought they too could do away with Jesus and end his influence over the people. Well, here we are in 2022, and we're still talking about Jesus. Hate him if you want, deny him if you will, but he will never go away. And when we are around him, we can't help but be influenced by him. Isn't that true? I think it's so true. When I pray, I'm a lot better to my wife. I'm a lot better to my neighbor. I'm a lot better to my children. I'm a lot better at work. I'm a lot better. I am just improved when I pray, when I spend time with Jesus, you know, when I talk with him, pour out my heart to him, repent of my sins, you know, and just, just spend time with Jesus. I can't help but be influenced by him. All right, all right. Uh, none so blind as those who uh, will not see, wrote Matthew Henry, the noted Bible commentator. Um, and, and that's so true because there's people today who still think that they could get rid of Jesus. They think they can excommunicate him from the classroom. They can excommunicate him from the courtroom. If they And if they do these things, they can just eventually get rid of Jesus. And uh, he is only taught, uh, spoke of uh, profanely uh, amongst college professors, you know, and they... And I'm not saying all of them. There are some college professors who love Jesus, okay? But there's a lot of them who do not, and they want to see him go. It's funny, and I, I say it's funny, and it's not humorous, but it's fun. Well, maybe it is a little humorous, uh, that they speak of the one they want to see going, and they keep his name alive. They keep saying his name because he's there. He's always, you know, this one solitary life has had more effect on man than any other person who ever lived. Jesus. His influence can't be ignored. What he has done throughout history, you know, throughout history, cannot be ignored. What he's going to do will not be ignored. I tell you, there's a child of God. There's a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of good stuff going to happen. For the child of God. And it's going to happen soon, I believe. I believe it. The, okay, let's get back to Pilate. This Roman governor was probably like a lot of people in power today who think we are lucky to be in their presence. You know, um, when he was talking with Jesus, uh, he probably thought, you know, Jesus was lucky to be before him. Little did he know that it was he who was privileged to be in the presence of this Jewish carpenter. You know, there was a lot of people that that wanted to touch Jesus. One poor woman who had a discharge of blood, an issue of blood for 12 years, had forced her way through a crowd of these people pushing and shoving just to be near Jesus. And she pushes her way just to touch the hem of his garment, just to touch him. You know, so uh, it was he that was privileged to be in the presence of Jesus. 
the Son of God. One day, one day this whole scene is going to be reversed. It will be Pilate standing before Jesus. Wow. And again, Pilate will be sweating. <laughs> All right. They began to accuse him. These men started planning their case against Jesus the first time he had healed on the Sabbath or the first time he broke their traditions. But the governor would not be interested in their religious squabbles. Here are their accusations. They accuse him of three things, misleading, agitating the nation to rebellion against Caesar. He did just the opposite of this, Isaiah 41.8, 42.1, Matthew 12.19. Their second accusation, forbidding to give tribute to Caesar. He taught, he had taught to render to Caesar the things that were his. Okay, Luke 2, 20, 20, 25, so that also was a lie. And then the third thing, he claimed to be king instead of Caesar. He did not do this. He said his kingdom was not of this world. John 18, 36, he refused uh, the offer of uh, king and taught that this was not the time of his kingdom in John 6, 15. Luke 19, 11 through 27, Acts 1, 6 through 7. He did not deny that he, that he was born to be king of the Jews, but he made it clear that this was not the time to establish a kingdom. Okay, so we see the three accusations, misleading the nation, forbidding to give tribute to Caesar, and claiming to be king instead of Caesar. Okay, these, these scribes, these Pharisees knew that he was not at all interested in, in their religious squabbles with, with uh, Jesus. He didn't care that Jesus healed on the Sabbath. Pilate didn't care, you know, that he that Jesus was getting a big following and the scribes were losing people. He didn't care about these things. So they came up with an idea. We have got to talk about something that Pilate will be interested in and which can get Jesus executed. And so they come up with these things about Jesus. You remember the instance, and I just mentioned it here. Someone had come to, some of the scribes, the Pharisees came to Jesus, said, is it lawful? Is it lawful to give tribute to Caesar or not? Boy, was this a great opportunity. They thought, we've got him here. Surely he's going to say, no, we should give only to God. Okay, tribute only to God. But Jesus knew their craftiness. I mean, he's God. He was God in the flesh, okay? So he knew their craftiness. He said, so show me a penny. And they did. And he, he says, whose image is this? And they said, well, that's Caesar's. He says, okay, render to Caesar what's his. That means that penny. <laughs> but give to God what is God's. Isn't that great? That was just, it was just amazing that, uh, he knew their craftiness, and he knew how to handle these charlatans, these hypocrites. So Pilate asked, are you the king of the Jews? Pilate privately interrogated Jesus about his kingship because that was the crucial issue. Notice, notice Pilate did not address the issue of misleading the nation. Being governor, he was quite aware of any uprising among the people that would be watched closely and quelled as soon as possible. Now, the real issue these religious leaders had about his influence on the people was their eyes were being opened, and they could see 
the hypocrisy of the scribes and the Pharisees. Cults and culture do the same thing today. They don't want their followers to see what how they're being misled. And they don't want their followers to open their eyes and turn to Jesus. They don't want that. Anytime cults or culture teach anything, now listen to me, anytime that the culture, anytime that the courts, that the schools, uh, that any other places teach anything that's contrary to the Bible, that is considered a cult, okay, or a culture, or something we need to get rid of, and you know, and I'm not talking about violence and all this. Such. That's so beneath God. Okay, that's just that's not the way. I'm talking about we reject it from our own lives. Okay, all right. Uh, we need to quickly acknowledge our error in believing such things and repent and obey the Bible. So, the quickest way to get rid of a cult is to repent and obey the Bible. Follow the Bible not the occult, or not the cult, or culture. Okay, because we got a lot of things culture is teaching today, and I'm not going to get into it. I've got into it before, uh, but I'm not going to get into it today. The culture teaches a lot of things that are contrary to the Word of God. Read your Bible, and you'll know the difference. The best way to know a counterfeit dollar bill is not to study the counterfeit. It's to study the genuine article, to study the real dollar bill. Study the Bible, and you won't have to worry about the culture. All right. Are you the king of the Jews? Declaration of kingship would be a major issue, because Rome had only one king, Caesar, and he wasn't about to share his kingdom. Have you ever heard of Ancestry.com? This site can trace your historical roots back about 1,000 years. That's quite a long time. But Jesus ancestry can be traced all the way back to Adam. Whoa, that's quite impressive. Pilate couldn't even do that. I can't do that, okay? Uh, I mean, but you, you look at it. Look at those uh, scriptures that you say, boy, so-and-so begat so-and-so, so-and-so begat so-and-so. That's his ancestry. That's talking about, you know, where he's come from. And it traces all the way back all the way back to Adam. One, I think, goes back to Abraham. The other goes back to Adam. I mean, it's just amazing. So if anybody has a right to claim kingship, yeah, we got it right there. What really stands out in, um, and I I'm hinted at that, what really stands out in his genealogy is that it is filled with royalty, containing such greats as David, Solomon, Hezekiah, and that's just a few names of great kings, great kings of Israel. So he, so is he worthy of kingship? If you look at his history, none can compare to him. But you and I know that his kingship has always existed and always will. Mary was told by the angel, his kingdom shall have no end. His kingdom shall have no end. It, it, there is no end. Pilate, you know, he, he wasn't even king. He was just a procurator. Julius Caesar, he was a king, but it's short-lived. You know, Caesar, short-lived. Uh, it, it just, you know, uh, I'm one of those who get upset about presidents. If I don't like them, I get bummed about what they do and stuff. But they're short-lived. They're short-lived. It's 
eight years as president, okay, uh, unless you're Roosevelt, and he had, I think, 12. Uh, so, anyway, short-lived kingship, but of Jesus' kingdom, there would be no end, okay. Luke 1, 22 through 30, or I'm sorry, chapter 1, 32 and 33 says this, he will be great and will be called the son of the most high and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom. There will be no end. This wasn't when he first came. This is when he comes again to set up his kingdom on earth during the thousand year millennial reign. Jesus response, you have said so. Is Jesus being sarcastic here? There are some people we have to be careful how we talk to. We might get lippy with our spouse, but we better be careful how we talk to our employer. You and I might get mouthy with our relatives, but we might, we should, or we better mind our P's and Q's when we're talking to a police officer. What he's saying here can easily be understood as what you have said is true. We can see this more clearly when we look at the parallel accounting of the event found in Mark. Mark 14, 6, 61b through 62a in the New American Standard Bible. Again, the high priest was questioning him and saying to him, Are you the Christ, the Son of the Blessed One? And Jesus said, I am. So in Mark, he says, I am. And in Matthew, he says, you have said so. Because of the parallel answer in Matthew, this can be understand of what you have said is true. Now, Pilate did not get upset at his answer. Okay. Pilate says this about him. I find no guilt in this man. So Pilate wasn't alarmed by the answer of Jesus. He talked with him. Pilate had had many people come before him. Okay. And he has, um, he has screened them. He's talked to them. You know, he's questioned them. And he, he knows how to interrogate, to interrogate prisoners. And he's talking to Jesus. And as he's talking to Jesus, he does not sense any uh, criminality in him whatsoever. Now, you could talk to some, and I've watched some interviews where they have interrogated uh, prisoners. And you can watch their behavior. You can listen to the words they say, how they say them. And you can, you know, you can get the clue that uh, there's something evil in their intent. Pilate did not experience this with Jesus. He says, I find no guilt in this man. No honest man has ever found fault with Christ and his program. When we find fault with Jesus, it's always us who are at fault. He has never sinned. We sin often. He's never failed. Failure describes us. Why, we even have trouble loving each other, but he has never ceased loving you and I. Isn't that amazing? I mean, you can swear at him. Jesus, I'm talking about Jesus. You can swear at him. Curse him out but then turn and say, I'm sorry, and sincerely repent, and he will absolutely forgive you. And even if you don't, let me say this, even if you don't, okay, it doesn't stop his loving you. He still loves you. 
He's still reaching out for you. And by the way, I do not encourage swearing at him. <laughs> I just thought I'd throw it in there because you never know, right, with people? Okay. He says, I see no evidence of this man being guilty. There's no evidence that he's guilty of what you charge him with. This was after Pilate had taken Jesus in the judgment hall by himself and examined him privately and had been satisfied in regard to the nature of his kingdom. You know, I mean, he talked to Jesus about his kingdom. And uh, so are you from this world? And, you know, and Jesus talked to him and told him, you know, that his kingdom was not of this world. And, you know, and so when Pilate heard him, he was convinced this man's not guilty of what you're accusing him of. They said he stirs up the people. <laughs> uh, stirs up Greek. Anasio or something like that. An Anasio instigates. A stronger word than perverts or misleading the people of Luke uh, 23. Two. There was no letting up of his enemies to accuse him and to demand his life. Pilate was too strong to be moved by jealousy at Christ's claim to be the king of Jews. He disregarded the charges of rebellion against Caesar. Regardless of how his feelings were about this extraordinary man, he gave an honest, judicial, Gentile testimony of the innocence of the Lord and an abiding record of the injustice and cruelty of his Jew Jewish prosecutors. Again, you got to remember, they hated Jesus. They hated him. They hated him. They wanted him gone. This is the aim. Okay? This is the aim. Now, before we get too too far in our thinking, they've got all the power. Before we get too far into that thinking, because I do that a lot with what's going on in the world today, uh, that they've got all the power and that they, you know, are in control. When I say that, I'm forgetting who's really in control. These Jewish leaders, it only appeared they had the power. It only, it was just an appearance. Pilate had said something to, to uh, Jesus. Do you not understand that I have the power to crucify you or to let you go? Jesus' simple answer was, you would not have the power to do so unto me unless it was first given to you from above. In other words, God was in control. These things must needs be, is what Jesus would say. These things had to happen. These things have to take place. It's the players that involved, okay, that uh, they make the choice of what side they're going to be on. So these Jewish leaders, I do not believe that uh, Joseph of Arimathea was one of them, and I do not believe Nicodemus was one of them. I do not believe that these two men were a part of this, of this kangaroo court, this hate-filled court, because these men loved Jesus. So I do not believe that they are a part of it. But these other men chose what side they were on. Though they are doing the will of God, okay, it is not through an obedient heart. It's through a hate-filled heart that these things are being carried out. All right. 
Anyway, all right, you know what? Maybe they were right. No one has ever affected the life of man on earth like this one, like Jesus. Drunkards can finally lay down their booze. Daddies no longer beat mama. The thieves steal no more. And the sex addict is free. All right? No one has affected anyone like Jesus. Yeah, he still stirs up the people. <laughs> yeah, he still stirs up the people. But only the ones who are willing to let him come into their lives and take full control and give them a life worth living. He's still stirring up people today. This can be you. Today can be a new day of beginning for you. Will you tell him you're tired of living without him and that you're ready to let him be the Lord of your life? Will you come in and say, Lord, stir me. I, I want you to stir me. Would you please stir me? You know, these men were accusing Jesus of being one who stirred the multitudes. Oh, if you would just come in and stir my life. Because I know when you do, it'll be so much better than it is. And he will absolutely do that very thing in your life. I, I tell you, from the authority of the word of God, I guarantee if you will repent and turn to Jesus, he will stir your life and you'll be a better man, a better woman. Daddy won't beat mama anymore. The drugs will lose their power. All right, the porn will go away. It won't no longer hold change, will no longer hold on you. Why? Because the Son of Man, Jesus, has stirred your life. <laughs> I'm so glad. February the 17th, 1979, he stirred my life. He stirred my life. He stirred me up <laughs> because he broke the chains, broke the chains that bound me. And set me free. And to this very day, I'm still thankful to him. Still thankful, still grateful, still grateful that he stirred my life. Aren't you? I hope you are. Next week, more from the trial of Pilate. <laughs> and another leader comes and faces Jesus on the road to Golgotha. Let me end this podcast by asking you this question. Do you know Jesus as your personal Savior? If not, you can. He loves you and wants you to be a part of his family. The first thing for you to do is admit you're a sinner and you cannot save yourself. Second, believe that he died for you and ask him to forgive your sins. Third, thank him for saving you and commit to living the rest of your life for him. If you have any questions or prayer requests, just email me at truthpod at yahoo.com.